Never before in the history of the world has evangelism been more easy. It is comparable probably to the Roman roads when people could travel all over the Roman Empire and bring the message of Jesus Christ. Or some people like to compare it to the printing press when things started to get in press and multiple distribution could take place. But today, with the internet, we can get the message out to not only millions of people, but hundreds of millions of people. But while evangelism may be easier, discipleship has never been more difficult. But perhaps the two need to be brought a little bit more together. Because perhaps what we see in the Scriptures is that we need to bring not merely a message, but the very heart of God to people. So this series called Engage, Showing the Heart of Jesus, will be about how can we bring the very heart of Jesus Christ to the people around us as we bring the message. If you have your Bible this morning, would you open with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we're going to pick up in verse 1. John chapter 5, verse 1. If you're able to stand, could I invite you to stand as I read in John. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Before we pray, just want to pray also for the tragedy that happened this morning in New York, and I want to pray for the situation in Ukraine. So would you just join me in a word of prayer? Father, we 
come together as brothers and sisters. We come in the name of Jesus. We come in the power of the Spirit. And we know another tragedy hit our nation with this shooting. We pray for these grieving families. We pray for the confusion this causes in our culture and in our country. And so, God, we ask that you would stir the hearts of believers to show love and care and compassion in that city, that they would serve people to your glory, God. We continue to pray for the situation in Ukraine. We ask, God, that you would help hold back, that you would stir and change and move the situation and end that conflict. We pray, God, for the families that have lost loved ones in Ukraine, that they would experience your love through the church that is there. We pray that they'd experience your care and your compassion in the midst of it. And thank God you would put an end to these hostilities. And now, God, as we study your word, we see another place where your compassion gets displayed. Help us to see, not merely with our eyes and ears, but with a spiritual heart tuned to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may grab a seat. As we, we look at this passage this morning, we, we see some things happening, and sometimes we can see things and we miss some of the dynamic that is going on uh, deeper into the text. And, and so I want to explore that a little bit, but I want to begin, my first point is simply this, is that Jesus has a work to do. Now I wrote it that way because not past tense that Jesus had a work to do and now it's finished is that Jesus still has a work to do and his work that he wants to do is in and through us but the question that we want to start asking is what motivated Jesus what was driving Jesus in the midst of all of this so we want to try to explore the passage closely enough that we would be able to see exactly these things so as we look at it this morning we see here in the, the text, we see in this passage that Jesus is in the Jerusalem, and, and look what it says. It says in verse 3, there lay a multitude of invalids. And then John just lays out some description here, that there were some blind people there, there were some people that had no ability to walk, and then some that were paralyzed. And so that becomes kind of the backdrop of it now of course as, as we read this he's in Jerusalem and he's near the temple and Kathy and I actually were there a few years ago at this place most people think at least tradition would hold that it's right near the church of St. Anne's now the church of St. Anne's is named after Jesus maternal grandmother and her name was Anne and the grandfather jo Joachim and so we were there, and that pool that's described here is there. And as we look at this, this house is, is this, this word Bethesda is more literally called a house of outpouring, but it really is a house of mercy, right? That, that, that's kind of the picture, is that there was all this grace. And when we see the word multitude, we need to recognize that there's not clearly a number given. We can't say there were five people there, but a multitude suggests that there were scores, if not hundreds of people there that were gathering because there was some kind of tradition we don't understand where people were gathering 
to get into the pool, and the first one into the pool would get healed. And so people would maybe get word that, hey, something's going to happen. The ones that were able were, were going there, right, to get, get healed. But what we want to do is now look at Jesus as he enters this picture. So as we enter into the person of Christ, let's take a moment and see, first of all, what happens. There was a man there, had been an invalid for 38 years, and the first thing we begin to notice is that Jesus saw him. Now, when I read that, I don't think that it's just physically seeing this man. There, there, there were scores of people out there. Lots of people gathered around. And it seems like John is bringing us to a place of Jesus wasn't just looking, but he saw. You know the difference, right? Sometimes we, we just out there and, and we look, but we really aren't seeing what God would have us see. Jesus, when you read the Gospels, would see people. I think of the story in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is walking into this village of Nain, and there's a, a funeral procession. And in this funeral procession, there's this woman weeping because her son, her only son, had died. Now that is significant in that culture because that was her, her support. She was a widow, it says. But it says this, Jesus saw her. Again, I don't think it's just Jesus looked. He, he saw her. He saw and understood her situation. He was moved by love because he saw the situation that she was in. And of course, the healing or the raising took place. Luke 13, we see it again. Jesus is in the synagogue teaching. And you can imagine, I was in uh, some of the synagogues in, in Israel when Kathy and I were there, and, and they would be maybe about this size of facility, and, and there were seats around benches, and, and you could imagine all these people. There was a woman in there, in, in Luke, it says, in Luke chapter 13, and this woman was bent over, visibly able to see that she was bent over. And of course, Luke gives us a little bit of insight in that there was a disabling spirit. In other words, there was some kind of demonic activity, but it says in the whole group of the synagogue, Jesus saw her and he healed her. So we begin to see that Jesus noticed people. He took an interest in people. In a general sense, remember Matthew, it says this, that Jesus saw the crowd, and he said they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he was, he was not only looking and saying, wow, there's a lot of people here. He's looking and saying, here's what I see with my spiritual eyes. These are people that don't have a shepherd. And then he goes on in in. Matthew, and it gives a little bit of a description that they are harassed and helpless. So when we see this idea that Jesus saw, we, we need to go beyond just the physical. So I want to just pause for a moment and ask you, 
Do you see people? Do you take a moment and, and just look at people and say, I wonder what's going on? Have you ever been in a restaurant where, where you see someone and, and maybe they're, they're downcast? And you, and you just start pondering, you know, their heart must be heavy. Or, or maybe you see someone on the street walking. And just the posture, the gait, and you start asking yourself, I wonder what's going on in that person's life. My neighborhood, I, I watch and I've got a neighbor and, and I told Kathy yesterday, I think she's really ill. Because she's out for a walk and I, I just would watch. And she just shuffles along. So I asked. And there's some heart issues going on. So what we begin to see here is that Jesus saw people. We will never have the heart of God if we don't open our eyes to look at those around us. And God is constantly bringing people around us. But not only do we see that Jesus saw, look at here, it says that Jesus knew that he had already been there a long time. Sometimes it gets translated, Jesus learned. But let's just pause for a moment. A lot of people read this, and it wouldn't be inappropriate to read it and say that God gave Jesus some supernatural knowledge about this man. We've already seen it in John a couple times. John chapter 4, just the chapter right before, the woman at the well. Jesus is engaged in a conversation with this woman at the well, and, and she says, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says to her, you're speaking the truth right now. But then he goes deeper and he says, but you've had five husbands. And the man that you're living with now is not your husband. It, it seems like in John 4, there, there's some supernatural knowledge going on there because we don't see the word learned. Or you go back to John chapter 1. Nathaniel says to Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus says to Nathaniel, he says, well, I saw you sitting under a fig tree. Obviously, supernatural knowledge. God gave him a vision. And I got to say, it doesn't happen often to me, but it has ha happened on occasion. People will come up for prayer, and I'll be praying, and, and I'll sense something's going on here. Something's going on, and I need to ask about it. So if someone comes for healing, and, and I sense like what, there's something blocking what God wants to do, I just pause. And I ask. One not too long ago, God just laid on my heart this, this, this burden. It was like, something's blocking this prayer right now. And I just started asking what I sensed the Lord was doing. That's supernatural. But there's other times where we see that Jesus is asking questions. He's wanting to learn. He's wanting to understand what's going on. And when I read this passage, I'm not as clear or quick to say that Jesus supernaturally had information about this guy. It may have been. I'm not discounting that. 
But it seems to me more that Jesus maybe started asking some questions. He started leaning into, what's going on here? When we get to verse 14, we see Jesus encounters them again in the the temple area, and and he says, you know, sin no more. So was that supernatural knowledge, or was this information that he learned more about this man? My point is really that Jesus probably made some diligent inquiry. He took an interest in this man. Now, why did he take an interest? I don't know. There are scores of people out there, but he took an interest in this man. He saw him, and it says he knew that he had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, if you're a Bible reader... That 38 years probably strikes you a little bit, right? It probably stands out. And you say, whoa, sounds a little bit like the wandering in the wilderness. Say, whoa, where are you going with this? All I'm just saying is when I read 38 years, I started thinking about a group of people that had weak faith. I started thinking about people that had no home, and they're wandering about in the wilderness. I just thought, I wonder. I just wonder. Is this guy the same type? Well, I think there's some evidence in the passage to suggest that he wasn't really a man driven by a ton of faith. Well, Jesus knew. He saw. He knew. But then look what he does. He engages. He says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Now, we're Americans. <laughs> we read a verse like that. Just have one phrase. And I know how most of us start translating it. Jesus was asking him if it was his will to get healed. That's just the way we think. Because everything is my choice, my will, whatever I want. I don't think so. One, Jesus wasn't American, so (laughs) I'm not sure that that was the first thing. What I read when I see this is I go back into the first century and I read about our Jesus, our Savior, is He was constantly inviting people into something. He, He was constantly offering something powerful called the good news of the kingdom. So when I read that, I'm like, Jesus wasn't saying, hey, are are you willing to be healed? Do you want to be healed? He's saying, hey, I've got an offer for you that you don't want to refuse. A little over a week ago, I was having lunch. Kathy and I were at a lunch table and you know I love to talk to people about the Lord I I just wherever right because God's doing great things and and so I got into a conversation and I asked just a very simple question you know as we we were talking about spiritual things and and I said do you go to church now because of COVID 
very interesting where the conversation went. She goes, no, I, I, after the pandemic, I have not returned to church, and I'm, I'm not going to return. I said, that's interesting. I said, well, why do you not go back to church? And she says, well, my husband and I, we get up, and at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, we turn on the television, and we watch our program we want to watch for a service. So one is picked out. Interesting. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, boy, you're missing out. It's one thing to watch. It's another thing to experience with people. Then the conversation goes deeper. So as we started talking about grace and the hope in the gospel, we were pressing a little deeper. She says, you know, I can't remember where the story is. And I'm like, well, tell me the story and let's see if I can remember. And she starts telling me the story of a man who walks into the temple. And he won't even look to heaven. Well, it's in Luke 18. And the story is a simple one. There is a Pharisee and there is a sinner, a tax collector. And the Pharisee is looking into heaven and he's, you know, kind of puffed up and proud for all the spiritual things he's doing. But the tax collector, the sinner, he won't even look to heaven and he's beating his breast and saying, and then she quotes it. She goes, I can't remember the story, but I know there's a man, he walks into the temple and he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And she goes, I used to pray that prayer. I used to pray that prayer but I don't pray it anymore. And I said, why? And she goes, I don't need mercy. I don't need mercy. So, being a pastor, like, how could you let that go? <laughs> but you would do the same thing, I'm sure. I'm saying, I'm like, Am I hearing what I'm hearing? <laughs> and I, I, I asked her, I said, well, the reason he's crying out for mercy is because he sees himself as a sinner, that he has fallen short. And she goes, yeah, no, I don't have a sin problem. You know, we don't know who is around us and where conversations will go. But I do know this, you and I have a message of love and hope that people need to hear. And we cannot keep that message to ourselves. I don't know, I know as you know, people are tired. We're living in a culture where people are constantly trying to make sense of the spiritual world, and usually they get on a treadmill. They somehow get on a hamster wheel. They somehow feel like they've always got to earn somehow their favor with God, that they've got to work to know God. And the powerful message that you and I have is that you'll never earn favor with God. You could never be good enough. You could never do enough. And that's why it's grace, is that God gives us grace to receive him that's the hope of the gospel all the other religions of the world it's work 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 but with jesus christ it's grace 
It's grace. So Jesus asked the question, do, do you want to be healed? As I reflect on that, isn't it true that those who most need the cure are least able to get to the pool? That man had no way to get to the pool. It says, there's, there's no one to put me in the pool. There's the clue of where the man's faith was. His hope, his faith was not in God. It was where? In the pool. But isn't that true today? Oh, if I could only get to a doctor, everything would be well. If I could only get this medical treatment, things would be fine. If I could only, and, and just make it more money, if I could whatever, then things would be okay because our hope so often, our faith is so easily put in things rather than God. So I can't help but think that this man has wandered in the wilderness. So Jesus, he saw the man. I think he made some inquiry about the man to figure out what in the world was going on. And then Jesus engaged. Do you want to be healed? And so as we begin to see these different things, we begin to see that Jesus had work to do and He was living out what becomes really, really clear. And that comes out of Isaiah chapter 35. Is that the messianic mission that Jesus was on, say to those who have an anxious heart. I'm like, this is today. People are living with anxiety. They're living with fear. They're living with anxiety. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, says, Be strong. Fear not. Behold your God will come with a vengeance. With the recompense of God, He will come and deliver you. He'll save you. Then, this is Isaiah prophesying 700 years before Jesus, talking about the promised Messiah. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. But look at here, the lame shall leap like a deer. And then he goes on and talks about the waters in the wilderness. And so we see that Jesus had work to do because of his messianic mission. He, he was out to do things. And as we look at this very clearly, Jesus worked out his messianic mission with love and power. And this is pressing us into a direction because the second thing that I want to bring to us, not only that God has work for us to do, but that we should follow in Jesus' step. Jesus had a heart for people. He discovered their stories. He took a diligent inquiry, and then he engaged. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, for to this you, meaning us, today in the 21st century, have been called because Christ also suffered, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. We were given an example in the person of Jesus Christ that we would follow in his steps. So what I want to do this, in the remainder of the message is bring us to a place where we talk about a process that we've worked on at Fox Valley Church. At Fox Valley Church, what we've done is we talk about 3D living. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about developing relationships. We're going to talk about discovering people's stories. 
and discerning their next steps. A very spiritual process, a very significant way to walk with God as we recognize he's calling us to be on mission. So let's look at the first one this week. We're just going to close talking about developing relationships. Developing relationships isn't meaning that everyone's going to be your best friend. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what we saw with Jesus. Do we have eyes to see those around us? Do we have eyes to see that God may be wanting to use us and bringing people? And then can I just say that as we do this, are we coming with a willingness to say, God, use me? That we don't have to have all the answers. So here's the first thing I think we need to believe if we're going to be used by God to bring the love of God. The first is this, is that Jesus is at work right now. Do you believe that? I mean, in your heart of hearts, do you believe that God's Spirit is at work in people's lives, in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood? One of the verses that come to mind, it says in John chapter 12, verse 32, it says, Jesus saying this, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. That's a word for you and me that right now, people that are far from God, Jesus is drawing people to himself. It doesn't mean everyone's going to respond favorably. It doesn't mean everyone's going to receive Jesus Christ. But what he is saying is that he is drawing people because he loves people. How is it you and I are going to say we love people when we won't even talk to our neighbors? How is it we're going to say we care about people's eternal souls I'm not even asking you to tell the gospel yet. I'm just asking you to develop a relationship. How is it you and I are going to walk out of this church, say we're Christians, we love people, but we won't talk to people? That's just like a non sequitur. That's foolishness. And God is doing the heavy lifting. He's saying, I'm drawing people. John chapter 16, it says this, the Spirit of God is convicting the world. Who? The world. Who's the world? People far from God. The Spirit is already convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. All we're doing is saying, God, here I am. Show me what you want me to do. And all I'm asking is open your eyes and look to the people around you. We need to see that Jesus is at work right now. And you think, do you love your your people and your family that are far from him? Guess what? He loves them way more than you ever will. It's amazing to think about it. Here's the second thing I wrote down. Not only is Jesus at work right now, but Jesus has us us right now where he wants us he has us right where he wants us you don't need to go out and about he has us right where he wants us i take that out of something like acts chapter 17 verse 26 and it just says that he determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places there's this god at work and and he's bringing people and, and and he's got you right where he wants you. He's got you in the neighborhood he wants you. He's got you in the job he wants you. He's got you in the family that he wants you. And we need to believe this, that he's got these people around us and not shrink back. And then here's the third. Jesus says, take action. Engage. 
right? We, we need to engage. All we're doing on this week is develop relationships. So how do we close a message like this? Well, who are you going to talk to this week? Don't put it off. Who is it? Would you be willing? I'm not saying share the gospel yet. I'm not even saying bring up spiritual stuff. Would you just talk to someone? <laughs> Get to know them. Get to know them, their story. That's what Jesus did. He saw and he made inquiry. He started to explore. So this week, let's just take one step at a time and just start engaging with someone, maybe a neighbor, a coworker. Take an interest in their life. Find out what's going on. Find out where their life is going, what fears they might have, what, what's causing them to be anxious. There is this great work of God, and as I think about these different things, God is doing, I'm convinced, an amazing work in the world. There is a shaking of the nations. There is an awakening that we should be praying for and that we get to be a part of it. And I don't want any of us to miss out on what God is doing. I don't want us to miss out on the energy, the excitement. Remember when Jesus sent out the, the 72? He said, I'm sending you with authority. Well, you've got authority. You've got the authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, it says in 2 Timothy 1.7. He's given us a spirit of power. So let's go out in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, help us to love people. Would you grow our hearts, enlarge our hearts to love people, to care for people, to take an interest in people? God, maybe, maybe, just maybe, if we got our eyes off ourselves, we would be better able to see your work, your power, your love, because we know you're awakening people. And as we talk to people, we don't know what's going to happen, but we just want to be available to be used by you. Awaken us, God. Enlarge our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name.